good to see each of you out this morning. Uh, since we're practicing social distancing, uh, we have someone in almost every part of the auditorium this morning. Uh, the way you're spread out, it looks like we have a full house. We have a good number today, and certainly we're thankful for each of you being here uh, today as we've come together to worship God in spirit and also in truth. One thing about being a preacher during this particular time in history, it's very easy to decide on what you're going to preach. Because if you just watch what's going on in our world, there are so many things that need to be dealt with as things continue to change from day to day. And so I want to try to keep up with all of that and, and uh, inform each of you. Many of you are informed, I'm sure. But hopefully that we can learn as we compare things that are going on in our world with what the Bible teaches and always stand for that which is good and right. So this morning we want to talk for a little while about anarchy and the church. Anarchy in the church. One thing that you need to always remember that was said by the wise man Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9 and that is the thing that has been it is that which shall be and that which is done is that which shall be done and there is no new thing under the sun Ecclesiastes 1 9 so when we look at the changes taking place in our world do not think for a moment that these things have never happened before in history a man is basically the same. You have different personalities, different mindsets that we see as we go throughout the Old Testament and the New and compare with people today. In the last few months, we have seen some of our civil authorities give orders for people not to congregate to worship God. And we have seen them praise mobs for rioting under the disguise of acceptable protest. It has gone from sending the police to arrest some that opened their businesses to make a living to now working to defund the police. What is the church supposed to do in the midst of all this confusion and chaos that we see today? What does God think about what's going on in our world today? Remember that God is sovereign. That means he is a supreme ruler. He is the supreme ruler. He is a sovereign God, possessing supreme and ultimate power. God has the first say. He has the final say and all in between. So we need to make sure that however we behave ourselves in the upcoming days with whatever we face from time to time, that we remember who is sovereign who has supreme rule. We find that in the Old Testament in many places, such as in the book of Daniel. You remember Nebuchadnezzar thought that he had created that great Babylon empire by himself, and he thought he was really the man. But he had to learn a lesson, didn't he? God brought him down to his knees, so to speak. In Daniel chapter 4, verse 34 and 35, Nebuchadnezzar is speaking, and he said, I bless the Most High. And I praise and honor him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Sound like God had caused him to have quite the change of heart. And verse 35, And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand, are saying to him, what doest thou? Who has the right to question the supreme ruler of the universe, Almighty God? Also in Daniel chapter 2, verse 20 and 21, the Bible says, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and he setteth up kings. Our God is in control. He has always been in control and he will always be in control. He is sovereign. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 15, 
Paul wrote, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed only potentate or sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. God has the right to rule over all. Why? Well, Genesis 1-1 starts out, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. It belongs to him. He created all things, Paul points out in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Not only did God create all things, it is because of God's power that things consist today and continue on. That can't be said about any man. We do not have that kind of power. We are the creatures created by the Almighty God. Therefore, these things all really belong to God. The God of all wisdom also instituted government. May we never forget this. Romans 13, verse 1, Paul wrote, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. But also in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 15 and 16, Solomon had already written about God where God said, By me kings reign, and princes decree justice. By me princes rule, and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. God is behind government. He is the reason for government, and government is good. In Romans chapter 13, verse 4, Paul wrote, For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath, upon him that doeth evil. Government is good. I realize there are bad politics out there, but government, law and order, is good. Law is good. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. But we know that the law is good if any man use it lawfully. God had law in the Garden of Eden. He told Adam and Eve that they could eat of all the fruit of all the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, the tree of knowledge and good and evil, they should not eat thereof. For the day they did, they would surely die. God ruled. God had law. God instituted government. So what about this idea of anarchy and, and how does that compare with God's way of thinking, God's design, God's order of things? Could God be pleased with this anarchy that's taking place in our country today? I hate to say this, but the first time I actually heard about anarchists, you know, when folks get old, sometimes they do things like they're going senile, well, I'm at that point now where I'm watching old westerns. And even when I don't watch them, I usually have them on. You know, like Gunsmoke, Big Valley. It's like going back to your childhood. I guess I'm already headed in that direction, I'm sad to say. But I remember just recently on uh, one episode of the Big Valley and also on one episode of How the West Was Won, they had on those episodes anarchists. Well, I didn't really know exactly what an anarchist was, but I knew that it wasn't that good because in the shows as they depicted them, they were not the most peaceful people, even though it appeared that they thought, well, if we could do away with all the authorities and we would live in a utopia here on earth. I got that much out of it. 
But because of the recent events, I had to go back and really do some study. And so the first thing I want to do was to, to define anarchy and see exactly what, what we're talking about here. And according to Oxford Dictionary, it is defined as a political idea in which the absence or non-recognition of authority causes disorder. Pretty good definition. Another one by Cambridge Dictionary, a society or a system where there is no organization or control since there is no effective government. That kind of sounds like some homes today, doesn't it? Merriam-Webster defined it this way. When any authority or established order is absent, then the system is called as an anarchy. The Greek, it really comes from uh, the, the Greek word that has really two parts, and which means without, and then uh, archos, or however you say that, which means chief or ruler. And so the word anarchy uh, comes from this particular Greek word, which simply means without ruler, without chief. Here are some synonyms which would make a lot of sense to us, I'm sure. Lawlessness, absence of government, revolution, as they like to say, but really a revolution, insurrection. Remember, that's what Barabbas was accused of, right? That's what he was guilty of. He caused a great insurrection, among many other things. Riot, rebellion, mutiny, disorder, disorganization, chaos, tumult, turmoil, mayhem, and there's a long list of these, none of which sound very good to my ears. Not anything that I would want to be associated with. And as I was doing this study, one thing came to mind immediately. Judges 21, verse 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And every man did that which was right in his own eyes. How did that work for Israel? Not so good, did it? Not so good at all. So, I went back in the Old Testament to see if there are any examples of people like this. And of course, there are many. But I wanted to see how God handled these type people. And of course, I went back to the men of Sodom. You see, where the people just kind of did their own thing. They, they ruled. They, they didn't have God as, as a part of their lives. And you remember in Genesis chapter 19, Lot is in Sodom. And he has two men visit him, which happen to be angels. And you remember what happened when the angels came into his house. Notice beginning with verse 4 of Genesis 19. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compass the house around, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men that came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. If you say that word know, you'll, you'll see that means to know them in a sexual way. They want to sexually abuse these men. Well, there's no law and order. What is there to stop such foolishness and, and wickedness and defilement. In verse 9 it says, And they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came into uh, sojourn, talking about Lot, and he will needs be a judge. Now we will deal worse with thee, Lot, than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. Anarchist. There's you some anarchy. But notice in Genesis chapter, I mean in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 8, as Peter refers back to that time of Lot and all this going on, the American standard I use because of the particular words, it says, For the right for that righteous man, that's Lot, dwelling among them, that's those anarchists, the wicked people in those cities, 
and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their lawless deeds. They didn't want law. They didn't want to live by law. They want to do their own thing and do their thing the way they want to do their thing. Every man for himself. Well, what did God do? How did God take care of that problem? Well, he didn't have any problem dealing with it, did he? In Genesis chapter 19, verse 24, the Bible says, And the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. God didn't try to reason with them, did he? He didn't try to sugarcoat what they were doing. He didn't try to listen to all their demands and all their wishes and all their desires. God rained down fire from heaven. He took care of that problem. That's the way God sees what's going on. Another example that you know very well about Korah and Dathan and Abiram. In Numbers chapter 16, 1 through 3, you remember that these three men, they, they went before Moses, which was God's ordained leader of that time. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, about 250 princes of the assembly. They were famous in the congregation, men of renown, men that others would be following. And they gathered themselves together against Moses, against Aaron, and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you. In other words, we really don't want you leading us anymore. Why? Why do we need you, Moses? Why do we need you, Aaron? Seeing all the congregation are holy. This is a holy bunch of peaceful people. We don't need you. We've got this. Every one of them. And the Lord is among them. Was he really? Wherefore they lift up, lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. Notice what happens. You drop down to verse 32, 35, uh, 33, 35. The Bible says, and of course, Moses challenged them to get their censors to come out, meet with him, and let God decide who he was with and who he was not with, either with his, his leaders, Moses and Aaron, or with these anarchists who were trying to overthrow God's government, his leadership, his way, so they could do their own thing. They could become gods themselves in their own minds. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the men that appertained unto Korah and all their goods. And they and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit and the earth closed upon them and they perished from among the congregation. And there came out fire from the Lord and consume the 250 men that offered incense. God took care of that problem, didn't he? In the Old Testament, you see the same thing. Rebelliousness. You see people refusing to submit to authority, trying to overthrow authority. God handled that issue. Well, then what about anarchy and the church? We see how it was in the Old Testament and how God felt about it and how God dealt with it. What about in the church? You look at the New Testament, guess what you're going to find? You're going to find more of the same. You see, remember, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. What's happening now has happened before. And it's going to happen again in the future. That's why it's so important for us to understand what God says on these matters and know how to behave ourselves in these situations. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, John wrote, Everyone that doeth sin doeth also lawlessness, or transgresses the law, breaks the law, does wickedness, and sin is lawlessness. That's what this is all about with anarchy. Notice, you go back to the time of Jesus and what happened to him, and notice what Luke recorded about that event in Acts chapter 2, verse 23. Him, that's Jesus, being uh, delivered up by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye by the hand of lawless men did crucify and slay. 
that Greek word that's used there is just a lot like this word anarchy or forms of that. If you'll notice that word lawless means without law. That's what they want, without law. Uh, when you break it down, the, the ah, what we would call the a, means without, and namus means law. So when you put it together, you have without law, lawless. That's what's going on in our nation today. We have lawless people, but that's not anything new again. You look at the New Testament, after the church had been established, the church is in existence, and they are living around the same type people we are talking about today. Lawless, wicked, unruly, rebellious people. Notice in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murders of fathers and murders of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for man stealers, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured person, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Brothers and sisters, what we're seeing today in Seattle, Washington, and Atlanta, and other places is totally contrary to sound doctrine. And I'll tell you something else. God will not take it very long. There comes a time when man's wickedness becomes full. And when that happens, God steps in and takes care of business. Look at 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. See if this doesn't remind you of what's going on today. Let's begin reading with about verse 10. But chiefly they that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. That's exactly what's going on today in our country. Notice in verse 11, Peter goes on to say, Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord. But these, that's against the dignitaries, but these as natural brute beast. As natural brute beast made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their corruption and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are, blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, a heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. What a description of what's going on in our nation today by those that are rebellious and trying to topple over government and put a stop to the law and order in our nation. In Jude, verse, uh, Jude 1, verse 8, Jude says, Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, notice this, despise dominion and speak evil of dignities. The church in the midst of this lawlessness needs to do several things. We need to be sure that we stay focused on our mission. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, Paul wrote Timothy, and he said, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. As soldiers of Christ, we're going to face hardness. We're going to face persecution because if there's ever been a time when we need to stand up for what's right, it's right now. 
We, need, we have a voice that needs to be heard, and that is God's word. And so we need to be putting it before people, what God says about these matters. But also notice, in verse 4 he says, No man that warth entangleth himself in the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Can you see the church marching with some of these folks that are marching? toting their signs. Can you see members of the church out there shouting and hollering and screaming? Can you see members of the church of the first century? Could you imagine any of them going out in these situations like this and protesting uh, to that magnitude to protest in those type ways? Can you imagine, could you just picture Paul and, and Peter and others setting places on fire and and taking property away from people and destroying property and, and, and damaging people and to stand up for what they believe was right? Is there anything Christian about what we see going on? And so while all this is going on, we need to be very careful that we stay focused on our mission. Jesus came to do what? Seek and save the lost. Our mission is to glorify God. It's not about ourselves. It's not about us. It's about doing the will of God. And during these times of chaos and confusion and, and all that we're being hit with from the coronavirus to, to this, all this uh, rioting and looting and, and marching and, and all these things that are going on, we must stay focused on our mission. Church, we need to be praying. We need to pray for our civil leaders. I know that you don't as well as I don't agree with all of our politicians. If you do, you got a problem. You can't agree with all of them. We agree with God, and we want what's right. And we want our civil leaders to do what's right. Whatever the case is, we want them to follow God's word and follow Christian principles and do what's right for mankind. Therefore, we're at a time where we need to pray. As Paul said to Timothy again, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications and prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, that would include our president, and for all that are in authority. All, all the way from our federal government all the way down to our local government. We need to pray for all those people, men and women, who uh, have these public offices, who are, are having to deal with all the issues at hand, that they will make right and wise decisions. And that we may lead, notice this, a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. That's us now. So we need to be praying for the powers that be and at the same time, we don't need to be carried away in all this craziness. We need to continue to be Christian. We need to continue to live quiet and peaceable lives. That's not to say that we're not to be out teaching and using our Christian influence. But also, obey the civil law. Obey it. We've been commanded to obey it. Even though others are trying to topple it, to destroy it, to do away with it. We must obey. Why? We've been commanded by God to obey. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, Peter said, Submit yourselves therefore to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Notice that. Whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors, or as unto them that are sent, uh, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. Now, as you've noticed recently, a lot of that's uh, kind of been crossed up, turned upside down. There are some uh, governors, there are some civil leaders out there that are praising thugs and people that are preying on other people and taking advantage of them. They've got things all out of whack. We need to pray for those leaders that they'll come back to the truth of God's Word. Pray and obey. In Titus chapter 3, verse 1, 
Again, writing to another preacher, Paul writes, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. We've been commanded to obey civil authority. Even when you go back to Jesus, you remember they were at, uh, his people asked him about uh, to obey God or man, basically, and, and of course they had a coin. And in Matthew 22, verse 21, they say unto him, when he asked who was on the coin, they said, Caesar. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's. Jesus Christ obeyed the law of the land. And unto God the things that are God's. And so, as we see things developing and we see things happening in our world, you be sure you remember what God says. You obey the uh, orders of the land as much as is humanly possible. We need to think like and act like Christ. Our children used to wear those little bracelets. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? If he was here today, if he was in the situations that we've been in recently, what would Jesus do? Have the mind of Christ. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8, let the mind of Christ be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even unto death uh, of the cross. And so Jesus was very humble. He was very submissive. He was not a troublemaker. He was not one that would go out rioting. Uh, he was one who would speak the truth and he lived the truth. And he was a servant to others. If in the course of this life you are forced to choose between Caesar and Christ, you must think like Christ would and, and then suffer the consequences for Christ's sake. That's exactly what Peter and the other apostles said to those who were telling them not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 5, verse 29, their answer was, we ought to obey God rather than men. As long as man's law does not conflict with God's law, we are to humbly submit to man's law and be obedient to it. If it contradicts God's law, God's law always supersedes man's law because, remember, he is the, the supreme ruler and he has a supreme law and it comes first. It trumps everything that man may have. There is no similarity between thinking like Christ and anarchy because thinking like Christ means that you are 100% submissive to man's law as long as it does not violate God's law. And you're always to be 100% submissive to God's law. Now, anarchy has no central authority and no police force. Where does that lead us? Just think about it. Someone breaks into your home tonight and we're under this system that they want. What do you do? You pick up 911. You say, hey, I need the police to be here immediately. Someone's breaking into my house. Well, they're not going to be there. What are you going to do? There'll be no cops. But that's what they want. No central authority, no police. You know, anarchy's rule of law is this. Might makes right. And we've studied about that when we studied about the Good Samaritan. But you remember 
and part of that that Jesus told in verse 30 of Luke 10, Jesus answering and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. What are these people doing? Are they not stealing and looting? Are they not taking people's properties away from them, private and even in these cities? Fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. That's where anarchy leads. That's what you're seeing. And if it is allowed to continue, we're going to see more and more of it. Ralph Earl's word meaning in the New Testament on page 204 says this about anarchy. Anarchy is the worst state into which human society can come. When and where there is no governmental authority, human life and property are unsafe. Where there is no strong central authority, the resulting anarchy is chaotic confusion and devastating destruction. I suggest that you keep your eyes on this new country that's been developed in the center of Seattle, Washington. They call themselves CHAZ, which uh, I think I heard this morning they changed that to CHOPS or something. And they'll probably change it to something else before long. But I know you may say, well, Mike, I don't have time for that. I'm not interested in that. That's just a bunch of craziness. You better pay some attention to it. You need to be informed somewhat of what's going on in our country because you know what? It won't be long and it could very well come to our city. You may drive through this craziness as you travel, but not only that, what kind of a signal is this putting out to our children? Here's the problem with the whole setup. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 20. Notice what, what's said here. And he said, I will hide my face from them. God says, I will see what their end shall be. That's why I'm telling you, you need to watch. And here's a prime example. You just keep your eye on Seattle, Washington. You watch what happens to that group of people. You look at what's happening up there right now. Notice what's going on. They say they won't know. They do not want anyone over them. They don't want law and order. They don't have it. But something's developing. And then it goes on to say, for they are a very forward generation, children in whom is no faith. Does that not describe these people that are doing these horrible things that are going on, that are trying to topple government, trying to do away with the police force? They have no faith. You know why this, these people have no faith? Isaiah 30 verse 9, talking about the same type people, God talking about his own people, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. That's the problem. The law of the Lord would clean all this mess up that's going on in our country right now. If people would hear the law of the Lord and have the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, all this nonsense would come to an end. You see, we don't need to ignore these things. We need to pay attention to what's going on. We are here to try to help others to be saved. When I look at these people that I see, what I see are people that I've been seeing for the last couple of generations as they were little children growing up, when they didn't get their way, they fell on the ground and had temper tantrums. They scream and they beat and they threaten and they holler and they cut up and mom and dad just makes excuses for them. Poor little Johnny, poor little Susie. And then you give them what they want. So they don't have to be productive in society. Now we've got a generation of people that's loaded, maybe two generations. When I think about this, I'm reminded of how people have criticized my grandparents and my parents for the way they taught 
us. When they taught us to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, thank you. You speak to everyone. You're polite. You have good manners. You respect authority or else. As it was mentioned, the timeout deal. We didn't have timeout. The only timeout we got was after we got through getting our bottoms tore up. And we had a little timeout before we had to go do something. No discipline in homes. You can thank Dr. Spock. You see, if you spank a child, then that's going to make that child rebellious and, 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 and they'll become bullies. What are these people? They're nothing more than bullies. They're bullying people all over the country. It's because of the way they've been brought up. Our public school system feeding them all this propaganda, feeding them all this garbage, warping their minds. And then we send them off to these liberal colleges. And what do these atheists teach our children? There are no, there's no God out there. You're basically God. You do your own thing your way. You, you, are, you are precious and you have the right to, to do whatever you choose to do and no one has a right to tell you otherwise. Look at our society. Where is God in America today? We have a couple of generations that do not know God. We have reaped to the wind and now we're sowing the whirlwind. We've been headed this way for a long time. And now our political leaders are so divided. Some are saying that what's going on up there now is just basically a love fest. They're just, they're just having a great time. It's all wonderful. When I hear things today said by adult people, it just absolutely blows my mind. And I'm thinking, how in the world did you ever get in these places of high authority thinking like that? You see, without law and order, there really can be no freedom. They want freedom, but they don't want law and order. They will not have freedom that way. That's already been tried time and time again and has been very unsuccessful. Anytime you don't have law and order, you will have bullies that will take over. And they will have their way. Might makes right to them. Where there's no law and order, who protects civil citizens and their properties? Who protects your children? You see, in some of these places right now, they're already talking about taking the police out of the schools. Who's going to protect your children at school? No police. Police are being frowned upon. Oh, yes, I understand. There's some bad police out there, and they're being dealt with, and they should be dealt with. But if we didn't have our police, where would we be today? We wouldn't be safe right now. And you sure would not be safe when the lights go out. We need to support our police. We need to support those that are striving to do that which is right. When there is no law and order, the people become insecure. And then their natural survival instincts kicks in. What's happening right now? You've noticed they can't make guns fast enough. They can't bring in enough ammunition. You know why? Because our people are afraid. Because when you start talking about having no central government, and when you start talking about having no police force, and when you start treating them like the bad people, instead of treating the bad people like bad people and trying to reform them, they want to reform the police and not reform these thugs out there, these drug dealers, these rapists, these people that are abusing others. Check into what's happening up there with Chaz. See how it's increased, the way that women are being sexually molested and all in this wonderful country they've created, so they say. You know what's happening. 
what's happening is we are now headed back to the old wild, wild west where we all must buy guns and ammo and take the law in their own hands. Is that where we want to go? Is that how we want to live? You want it to be like it was in the days of Gunsmoke when they showed that? Matt Dillon kills a guy every day. And he's probably been shot 150 times himself that I've seen. We don't want to live like that where might makes right. God set up law for purpose, government for purpose. And when the government does wrong, we can stand up against that, but in a peaceful fashion, a Christian-like way. Church, thank God for law and order. And be sure that you are not in any way supporting this lawlessness that we see going on around us today. I know because of things that are happening, emotions are running wild. But know this, when we start thinking and acting based upon our emotions, we're probably going to be in the wrong. Use your head. Use common sense. Use logic. And most of all, use God's Word. Parents, you need to teach your children about law and order and how it's achieved. Parents, you need to teach your children to respect law. And they start learning that when they come into your family. And don't let your little children run your house. Think about it. Is this what you want for your future? Do you want to live, you want to live in a world that looks like this? Graffiti everywhere. I see this when I go to New Orleans and when I was out in Houston, when you go under the overpasses and all, you see all that graffiti. You see people there that's just, they're just laying there on the sides of the streets. They're begging and things like that. I know some of that's not by choice, but a lot of it is by choice. And that graffiti's by choice. And I've seen people on TV, they're having to go out there behind these, these folks that think they want all this freedom and they're having to clean vulgar and uh, obscene things off of walls and, and everywhere, it's, it's ridiculous. Is that, is that, do you want to go to that? Do you want to live like that? Do you want a warlord to develop and to be over us? You see, this is the result of the breakdown of the home. This is what happens. So the next time a cute little baby girl or little boy wants to just have a fit and show out, and you say, well, I'm just going to ignore that until I can't stand it any longer, and then I'm going to do whatever that child wants you to do. You need to think about living in a world like this because that's where it's headed if it's not stopped. Now, I realize the ones that are causing these issues, they're in a minority, and I thank God for that. But you make sure that you train your children where they will see how wrong, how evil and wicked this is, and how it is so anti-God. You remember the first slide I showed you? It said, no gods. They want no gods. They want no rulers. They want, you see, the next thing happens is this same mindset comes into the Lord's church. And you know what they say? We want no elders. We want no men over the congregation. We want everyone to have a say. It's a bad mindset. 
So for us, we need to be praying diligently. And we need to keep teaching the principles of God's word. And we need to vote. When that time comes, you vote. Just think of what's going to happen to our children and our grandchildren if they have to grow up in a society like this one. If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian, we encourage you to become one. If you're going to please God, you're going to obey Him. That means God has law to be obeyed. And we will be judged if we do not obey the law and we will be punished. But the good thing is, you don't have to look at it that way so much as think of the blessings that come from following Jesus. You know, Jesus said himself, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You know, let's not let our hearts be troubled. Let's be focused on what God has gone to prepare for us. And let's live in such a way that when we come to the end of our lives, after we have faced all the difficulties and chaos and troubles of this old world, we can hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Now Jesus is the way, and he's made a way, that if we will come to him in humble submission, believing with all of our hearts that he is indeed the Son of God, Repent of our sins. Have that change of mind that produces a change of life and then confess your faith in him, that is, that you believe that Jesus Christ is Son of God as we've been commanded in Scripture and then be baptized for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. Your sins will then be removed, forgiven, taken away, washed away, blotted out. Then you'll be without sin. And as long as you walk in the light, as John teaches in 1 John Chapter 1, verse 7, the blood of Jesus will continually cleanse you so that in spite of your imperfections, you can still be covered by the blood because when you sin, you will repent and confess them. The blood will continue to cleanse. And when this life is over, you'll be with him in heaven. Well, there'll be no chaos. There'll be no tears. There'll be no sorrow. There'll be no pain. There'll be no sickness. There'll be no dying. Oh, how beautiful heaven must be. We've got to stay true to his word and stay focused till we get to the end of the way. If you're here and you need to respond, won't you come as together we stand and sing.